The economy is getting back underway, and with it, the world of pro sports. Stay ahead of the curve with the unparalleled tools of two world-class news desks, covering developments across finance, economics, technology, and sports. Subscribe to Bloomberg.com, and if you are not already a subscriber to The Athletic, for a limited time, receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. Go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. Hello, and welcome to episode 26 of the Keith Law Show. I'm Keith Law. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest today will be Craig Calcaterra, late of the NBC Sports Hardball Talk site, now the author of his own subscription newsletter, Cup of Coffee, which you can subscribe to at cupofcoffee.substack.com. A few administrative things to get out of the way first. Uh, for subscribers to The Athletic, I had one post go up last week uh, titled, In a Season with No Minor Leagues, Front Offices Face a Demotion Dilemma. I spoke on background to a number of senior executives, including some GMs, about how they're thinking about the calculus of demoting players, young players in the majors who are struggling. Do you still demote a player when there's no place to send them? He's going to go to the alternate site, but he's not necessarily going to get He's not going to play. There are no actual games going on. They're just some simulated games that don't really resemble regular baseball. And I also had some scouting notes in there on a couple of players who'd just been called up, including uh, Ryan Castellani was in there. And I noted a little bit about uh, Luis Basabe, who was traded from the White Sox to the Giants. Oh, and also Spencer Howard's debut. He has pitched one more time since I wrote up that post. I will have probably two posts this week. Another one will be a scouting notebook. We got word that Casey Mize and Tariq Skubal are going to be coming up from the Tigers. Dylan Carlson just came up from the Cardinals the other day. Luis Garcia is up for the Nationals. We've actually had quite a few young players come up just in the last, what is this, Monday as I'm talking to you, in the last five days or so, which is awesome. A little intimidating. Suddenly I have a lot of players to go watch and write about, but that's good. I would absolutely take that versus the alternative. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, you can subscribe just on the Athletic site. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. If you subscribe, especially on iTunes and can leave a rating, I obviously appreciate that. I've seen many, many of you have left five-star ratings and positive comments. Thank you so much. Uh, it really helps. It helps us particularly to uh, spread the word about this podcast and allows me to allows me to keep going with it. I also wanted to mention that my book, The Inside Game, Bad Calls, Strange Moves, and What Baseball Behavior Teaches Us About Ourselves, is out. It has been out since April. I've been talking about it just about nonstop since then. Many thanks to those of you who've bought it uh, for yourselves, bought it for friends, told me nice things about what I wrote in the book. Uh, again, I really appreciate all of that. If you haven't picked it up, a lot of independent bookstores seem to be open again. I was actually in one, physically in a bookstore for the first time, I believe, since February. The, just last weekend, I was in uh, Stone Harbor, New Jersey, and walked into a little bookstore. They did not have any of my books in stock for shame. However, many bookstores will have it in stock. If yours doesn't, however, I recommend bookshop.org. It's a wonderful site that also is, supports independent bookstores with every sale. Now, it is my great pleasure to be joined by my longtime friend, Craig Calcaterra. Craig was, until recently, with NBC Sports, with their Hardball Talk site, where he had a very popular uh, and, I think, essential daily feature simply called And That Happened, where he had amusing and sometimes fact-filled recaps of the previous night's games. He's now continuing that. He's got his own subscriber 
newsletter. It's called Cup of Coffee. If you'd like to subscribe, and I already did, it is at cupofcoffee.substack.com. You can also find Craig on Twitter at Craig Calcaterra. Craig, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Keith. So why don't you just tell folks a little bit about what's in the newsletter before we get into the sort of the meat of the day? Uh, yeah, it's so, you know, for 11 years at NBC, I, I recapped games and then sort of did a, you know, bloggy digest of news every day. And this is basically that in one email every morning. Um, and the idea is for it to be a, a, a sort of a one-stop shop. Uh, you get to work, you log on, you, you, you read the newsletter, you know everything you need to know about baseball until you get home that night. Um, a news digest of stuff that happened the day before or overnight and uh, all the results from the night before. And you can consider yourself an informed baseball fan and hopefully an entertained one because I, uh, I have that whole thing of, uh, you know, movie references and jokes and rants and things like that because I am a Gen Xer who has a very bad attention span. <laughs> I tuned out about 10 words into what you just said. So I have no idea what you're talking about. Pulling Gen X rank on me. Wow. Okay. Yes, that's right. I actually don't. We're pretty close in age. I don't know that we should start that competition. Uh, we're, we're both clearly Gen X. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, so let's talk about some of the news. The uh, I know you were uh, particularly interested in this report by my former colleague, Jeff Passon over at ESPN, about a little bit of a clubhouse mutiny in Cleveland after Mike Clevenger and Zach Plezak broke protocol and went out uh, in public into enclosed spaces in Chicago. And they've since been not just placed on the restricted list, but actually optioned out to the alternate site. They'll be away for at least 10 days. This is a team that I think had a pretty good chance to win the division. Obviously, with the expanded playoffs, we all assume they're getting in. They kind of need Clevenger and Plezak to make that happen, certainly to improve their odds of advancing in the playoffs. So what's your take on the latest news from Jeff? Well, it's it's I, I say it's fun, but nothing's fun now. So I, I use sure. that word in quotation marks, in Gen X-y ironic quotation marks. Um, I, the, the clubhouse drama is really what's got me here, because apparently, as, as, as Passon says, there was a testy, that's the word he used, testy meeting, of all the Cleveland players on Friday. And, you know, they, they basically read Clevenger and Police Act, the Riot Act. Um, but what really got me, and, and that's understandable. I'm totally, I'm totally on board with that. They should be read the Riot Act. They were irresponsible. Um, but what really struck me is the old man of the clubhouse, Oliver Perez, who is still pitching amazingly, um, have left arm, will travel, told everybody that if Clevenger and Police Act come back on the active roster, he's opting out which I found to be an interesting sort of power play from a loogie. Um, you, don't, you don't get that very much. Uh, I also don't think that'll hold. But uh, yeah, I found that to be fascinating. Yeah, I think that's really interesting that, uh, one, that Perez, you know, obviously, like he's not the star, right? This isn't Carlos Carrasco, who, who by the way, would have every reason to as a cancer oh, yeah. survivor, right? He'd have the best reason to opt out. Perez is... My take was that Perez's situation is probably tenuous enough that it took some courage, or or you just argue that his convictions are that strong in that particular case, and uh, uh, and good for him. And also, I thought that you know you need an Oliver Perez in that clubhouse to put himself on the line a little bit and make that statement. I don't know what else happened. How many other players really, you know, would have opted out, threatened to opt out, particularly. Um, but that you could, if if somebody like him says so, maybe it's easier for other players to come forward publicly or privately. And maybe that's what ended up getting the players actually optioned 
to the alternate site, which I think is, you know, it's not just bad for Cleveland this year. They, they acted against their own on-field interests, but you got to think it could really impact both of those players financially, maybe well, maybe several years into the future. Yeah, my, my understanding is, uh, and this is Paston had this too, if, um, if, if Clevenger is out 10 more days than just, I think he's on some quarantine or something for like 10 days. If he misses 10 more, misses 20 games off the active roster totally, um, he doesn't get a full year of service time this year and it pushes his free agency back a full year. Yep. And uh, with Plesak, he would be on the road to be super two and he won't get that if he misses something like eight extra days. Um, and I am, even though I am always down for a good conspiracy theory, I don't think that's <laughs> Cleveland's aim here. Um, I, I think it's one of those, you know, maybe Perez has a, a little bit more heft and weight in the uh, in, in the clubhouse because it actually could be within Cleveland's uh, best <laughs> interest to have, have these guys out. Well, we better think about this a little bit more. But um, it, it's just a mess, right? And it's it's a mess that is... Um, obviously, like you said, it's bad for their competitive position because, you know, the, the strength of this team so far this year has been the rotation and Plesak and Clevenger have been really strong in that regard. But it's just, you know, it's it's bad for everything else. This is uh, a, a team that was kind of heading in the wrong direction. Not bad yet, but certainly not fulfilling everything it should be fulfilling. Some people talking about how it, maybe even the frisky White Sox could pass them on pass them up this year. I didn't think that was going to happen, but they didn't really add enough to, to go after Minnesota. And then all of a sudden you're shooting yourself in the foot. Um, maybe it doesn't matter with a 16 team playoff. Maybe it doesn't matter because the Indians did start strong, but certainly not the kind of thing you want. And this especially is bad because it makes me look dumb because I went on about 10 different radio shows <laughs> and I said, I, I said the the big thing to watch for this year because everybody's asking me are, are the managers just going to manage the living hell out of games? Uh, is there an advantage for the the super plugged in strategic manager walking step by step with his front office because every game matters so much? And I said I went the other way. I said no no no. I think the teams that are really going to do well are the ones that have a manager that are going to be able to diffuse the problems that are going to be able to tell everybody to calm down. I've seen it all before. Guys like Terry Francona, guys like Dusty Baker. So of course you've got complete chaos in Cleveland and the Astros have achieve so there goes my expertise yes absolutely uh let's turn let's turn to another club in the al central uh the tigers are nine and ten right now which makes them playoff contenders yay 2020 and they announced that they're calling up two of their top three pitching prospects casey mize and Tariq scoobal matt manning is the third he's not coming up yet maybe he will be soon uh and they're also calling up isaac paredes who was their i would say Number two hitting prospect coming into the season, number three right now after the draft. He was on the injured list for a COVID-19 positive test. He's back. The other two guys were just held down because they weren't ready or for service time reasons, whatever. But all three of those guys, they announced all three of those guys are coming up right now. My immediate take was, great. This is exactly what we were hoping that they would do, that they would, you know, you're close enough to contention. Your rotation stinks. Bring the kids up. They're probably not any worse than what you already have. And this makes you... If not better contenders, certainly way more interesting to watch for the rest of the season. What's your take on this sort of wholesale change to the roster? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, whatever the motivation here is, you know, I, I think a big part of it is, I, I if I'm, you know better than me, but I think both Mize and Scooball, they, they didn't get beyond double A last year. And um, 
you know, how well can you develop a pitcher in this remote location sort of simulated game situation? I, I'm sure there are lots of things you can do well, but not having a game situation for them could could be pretty bad for them for a year of development. I, I don't know. I'm sure there are pros and cons to that, but uh, getting them into a game situation is probably good for their development. Um, you know, but there's also the, the, the sort of fan fan connection and, and, and fan interest sort of an angle to this. Obviously, you're not going to improve your gate this year because there is no gate. Um, but, you know, getting getting people to, to tune in to Fox Sports or whatever sports that the Tigers are on um, is a good thing. I, I you know, as, as you know, Allison, my wife, and, and her father are big Tigers fans, and uh, they're, they're already excited about this kind of thing. Um, my, my father-in-law texted me about two hours ago and said, hey, my, reason to watch, you know, and, and he's your, he's the fan you want, right? He's the, the guy who, who watches about 80 games, 90 games, maybe 100 games a year, and, and will turn them off if there's nothing to watch. So this is a huge <laughs> thing for them, too. Um, I love it. I, and I don't know if this is about, oh, the playoffs are more attainable this year, as opposed to just developmental reasons. But I absolutely love the idea that a team who really isn't there yet on turning the corner on a rebuild by by damn sight um, is is calling some guys up that uh, will give the chance uh, for the fans to see him. Yeah, I would actually love to see them go further. I, I assume if these two guys are up, that Manning, as long as he's ready, healthy, able, whatever, I assume he'll be up at some point too. They certainly need the pitching. But heck, Call Spencer Torkelson up, the guy who was the first pick in the draft this year out of Arizona yeah, State. College guy, right? He's a college bat. What's college guy. He's a college, and particularly, like, he's a college bat. He's not a glove. Mm-hmm. He's probably fine at first base. Heck, like, whatever. He's not going to be any worse than the current options. He isn't getting live at bats. I mean, the, the point you just said about Mize and Manning aren't developing at the alternate site, potentially, because you can't. I mean, I'm working on a story a little bit about some of those problems in that one of them is that they, they can't even play full games over at the alternate site. They don't have enough players to do it. They certainly right. don't have enough pitchers, but often they don't have enough. They just don't have enough fielders to field two defenses at the same time. So they're getting work in, but it's just not the same. And Torkelson is, it's all bad. It's not like you were waiting for him to get bigger or stronger. It's not like you were waiting for him to improve his defense. There's not going to be some, you know, there shouldn't be some Vlad Jr. Oh, his defense isn't ready yet. Well, we don't think he's a major league player. The, Torkelson's pretty close to ready right now. I'm sure he'd be better off if he'd go spend a year in double A, but that's not an option. So why not just call that guy up now and be more interesting and maybe make your team a little bit better? Completely. And and the thing is, the, the Tigers also, I, I don't know what the Illich boys, as opposed to the late Mike Illich, what their approach is going to be when they have a team that's on the upswing as opposed to a team that was on the downswing, an older team on the downswing. But, you know, historically, the Tigers have paid guys. They're, they're not going to mess around with Torkelson, I, I don't think, anyway. Maybe maybe there's a whole new philosophy there, but I don't think they'd mess around with Torkelson just to get that one extra year. It's not going to matter. Miguel Cabrera's contract is going to fall off before Torkelson gets super expensive anyway. Um, the Tigers draw when they, when they do well, um, and they make a lot of money. Uh, I, I think that it's there's a zero downside to, to calling him up, and uh, absolute excitement if they if he can come in and do anything. And, and let's be honest, what, what's the opportunity cost here? Who who are they you know going to be taking at bats away from or innings away from on this current Tigers roster? Getting now back to your newsletter for today, you commented John Heyman reported on a new COVID rule. Players who test, this is John Heyman on Twitter, uh, at John Heyman, players who test positive can apply to return to play in 10 days, even if they continue to test positive, but still need MLB Joint Committee okay, and are very likely to be allowed back after 14 days, even with continuing positives, reasoning, contagiousness dissipates. 
I saw that tweet and I did one of those, what's the gif of the, the you know, Ron Swanson just rips the computer out of the wall <laughs> and just goes and throws it in the dumpster, right? Like, wait, that's not very science. That's not science at all. And I'm not going to steal your thunder, but your reaction, I thought, was kind of spot on to this very ridiculous proposal. Well, I... One, I enjoyed having that reaction, I will say. And my reaction is that, you know, the actual science here is Rob Manfred wants to get the playoffs played no matter what happens. And we don't want to have a another Miami or, or St. Louis situation. So we're going to find ways to get the guys in. And and I think what I said in the newsletter, this is like, you know, early in the war, you, you, you reject uh, guys who try to enlist because they're 4F. But when the enemy is at the gate, everybody gets a gun. And I think that's the situation here, right? It's like, let's get those troops out there. I don't care. Is he coughing? No. Okay, have him play. That being said, I need to be fair. And you don't have any reason to know this yet because I haven't published tomorrow's newsletter yet. But I had a conversation, a brief online conversation with Zachary Binney. Do you know who Zachary Binney is? He's, he's, uh, I do not. He has made himself uh, pretty well known in sports Twitter in the last few weeks. He's an epidemiologist. Um, and his, his Twitter is, uh, he's like a, an NFL injury guy is I think what his game is. I don't know him very well, but, uh, he, he has been extremely critical of major league baseball, extremely critical of Rob Manfred for the last several months. And I have taken a lot of leads from him on things that I hadn't thought about because I'm just a dumb writer, but, uh, (laughs) he, he did take the hand. Aren't we all? We I Right, right. He took the Heyman tweet, uh, I think it was either late last night or early this morning, and he said, folks, this is fine. And it wasn't the dog burning in the in the room, this is fine. It was a legit, non-sarcastic, this is fine. He said, mm-hmm. if, if, I know it sounds terrible, it sounds sketchy as hell, but it's consistent with the latest scientific knowledge and CDC guidance, this whole dissipation of, of, uh, of uh, contagiousness. I, I, he didn't follow up with, with links, he didn't follow up with, with data. Um, but I sort of take his word for this. Now, I, I don't think that makes it better how Major League Baseball is handling this in a, in a sort of a more cosmic sense, because, you know, if you've got some new knowledge about how to handle positive guys, if you've got some new knowledge for any sort of anti-coronavirus sort of procedures, I would hope that you would talk about it rather than leak it to John Heyman at 11 o'clock on a Sunday night. <laughs> Major League Baseball has been extraordinarily quiet about everything. Things just come out in leaks. It's very weird. It, it, it's mirrored how the country has handled this, whereas there's a, a vacuum at the top and, and all the governors and mayors are just trying to figure things out. I think Major League Baseball has sort of had that because Rob Manford has not been out there talking about these things. Um, and I do think still their motives are, hey, we got to get to the playoffs no matter what. That being said, this specific thing apparently is not as bad as it looked. And yes, it looked terrible. Yes. Uh, that's interesting. I actually did not know that. I hadn't seen that, didn't know any of that. That's that's interesting. Um, I reserve the right to still mock it if it goes horribly awry. Oh, don't let information get in the way of your mockery of Major League Baseball no, because not, I never do. Yeah. No, excellent. This is why we're buddies, right? So, <laughs> um, I. This is the worst story, but we should riff on it for a moment or two. Your headline, your your subhead here, A-Rod is reportedly the leader in the clubhouse to buy the Mets. Um, I feel like I am 90% I don't want A-Rod to buy the Mets, and 10% oh boy do I want A-Rod to buy the Mets. This is going to be great. Hey, I'm in the content business, so this is wonderful. I mean, yeah. <laughs> If you know, I don't know how much this this doesn't affect prospects unless the Mets just completely screw up everything. But if you're in the uh, the gossipy content business and snark 
Meisterville like I am, then this is fantastic. I would love for A-Rod to mess something up at an owner's meeting or for him to take a position that is completely 180 degrees from from his positions as a player and not care because he's A-Rod and why does he care about anything? Um, I have no idea about whether or not either A, he would be making baseball operations decisions at all or ownership decisions at all, or if he'd just be sort of like, you know, Jay-Z with the Nets. But um, it is interesting. He's supposedly the leader. Um, he, he his, his group supposedly has the money um, in ways that not all of these bidders always have money. They always have, we have this plan, whatever, but there's apparently enough cash on hand, apparently enough commitments that are firm to where many people think that that the JLo A-Rod group is the leader in the clubhouse to get the clubhouse. Um, I'm skeptical just because of how these sorts of stories have always gone. And, and I go back, this is a long time ago, but in 2010, when I was just a baby blogger in baseball, um, the Texas Rangers were up for sale. And mm-hmm. there was bidding between, uh, I think it was uh, Chuck Greenberg out of Pittsburgh and uh, Jim yeah. Crane, now the owner of the Astros at the time, was trying to get the uh, the Rangers. Um, and, and, you know, there was a lot of sort of drama and intrigue and Rangers were in bankruptcy. So it mattered about who had cash to pay off debts and all this kind of stuff. And there was a lot of whisper campaigns going on. And I was one of the only people that were writing a lot about this every day because I had nothing else to do. And I would have people who knew either Jim Crane or Chuck Greenberg or whatever contact me to try to to make it sound like they had more money or the other guy didn't have more money. There, there was always this sort of whisper campaign spin of, of who's in who's in the lead in the bidding. It wouldn't shock me if this sort of thing is the same deal. You're trying to scare away someone else. You're trying to get the New York Daily News on your side, whatever you're trying to do. Um, I, I will believe that A-Rod is going to own the Mets if on August 31st, when the bidding is, is done, they say, A-Rod, you now own the Mets. If J-Lo owns the Mets, do we call them the New York Hustlers? I'd be all in for that. <laughs> J-Lo was robbed of the Oscar, but she, or of an Oscar nomination, but she gets the Mets. So maybe, maybe that's like that. Maybe that all works out in the end. Change City Field to the Block or something like I don't know. Yes. I, 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 <laughs> I, I I sort of trust her savvy more than I trust A Rod savvy, but I might just be responding to tabloid stuff. I don't know. Craig, don't be fooled by the rocks that she's got. <laughs> you know what? No matter what, they won't be worse owners than Jim Crane is. No, no, and uh, I I just want to see A Rod shaking hands with Rob Manfred, the guy who you know pulled out all the stops and you know black bag operations in order to bring him down in the biogenesis thing. So then they're going to be smiling and waving, but that happens on a level way above my pay grade, and people seem to make that work. So who am I to judge? Yeah. Last thing I wanted to talk about was also something you mentioned in your newsletter. Charlie Blackman could hit 400 this year. I said before the season, 60 games, and some teams may not even get 60 games, would mean weird results. And one of the things we might see is somebody hit 400 or even hit close to 400. Here we are. And of course, it's a Rockies player. So it's like, you know, obviously it's a little bit easier for him. So what? But I love the way you've echoed my thoughts perfectly. I'm reading again from Craig's newsletter today. I'm a bit annoyed, though, at how quickly pundits want to run the, quote, how should history think of it, unquote, take. I won't say who actually whose tweet you linked there. I'm sure if people wanted to guess, they wouldn't be terribly surprised. I am with you 100% on this. It's a short season that probably shouldn't even be happening anyway. Nobody is going to look back. If Charlie Blackman hits 400, and I'm going to return to that in just one second. One, I think nobody is going to look at this and say, first time since Ted Williams. Oh, it's no. the first NL guy since Bill Terry. We're, 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 in, okay. Many of us are intelligent adults. 
And we probably can figure this out. Second is, I just want to have fun. This is fun. If Charlie Blackman hits 400 this summer, if he is going into the last few days at like 401, that's awesome. We're going to be hanging on his every at-bat. I will be. Even though it doesn't change history, it's still awesome. Like, why can't we just celebrate something like that for what it is? Why can't we watch a no-hitter and just say, that's amazing. It doesn't mean that this guy is suddenly a better pitcher than we thought he was, but he did this awesome thing. Why can't we just celebrate the achievement for what it is in its context and, and just and just like it? Why can't we just like things, Craig? Part of it's our fault. And when I say our fault, I don't mean you and I specifically, but sort of the 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 group and generation of baseball fans, writers, and analysts who came up when we did, right? People from the 90s and the early 2000s and the, the stat heads and whatever. Um, you know, we, we all sort of figured out how to contextualize things. And we all sort of figured out how to dig into numbers to find out what they mean, not just what they are. And on the surface anyway, saying, hey, he hit 400. That's pretty neat. That's kind of something that I think we might have mocked 20 years ago. Um, it's different, right? Because we have a different context, 60 games, whatever, and that you build in a whole level of reasonability to that. But I think in some level, um, that approach that, that so many of us sort of were, were brought up in makes us want to dig deeper than the, oh, this is kind of cool level. Well, you know what? I, I've totally changed my mind about all that kind of stuff. I, I don't, I haven't, you know, thrown away uh, my old copies of, of, you know, Bill James or anything, but I, I, I do now have, I find more room in the game just to look at something and say, wow, that was cool. I don't need mm-hmm. to think that hard about it. There are people that are way smarter than me that are going to think really hard about that. I have, I am so out of my depth in thinking the hardest about most statistical things in baseball that I don't have to do it. It's a, it's a big relief. It's like when you realize you, you just don't have all the responsibilities you think you had and you can let some things go. So my, my personal journey through baseball, boy, that was the most pretentious thing I think I've said in years, <laughs> is, is, hey, this is kind of cool. And if it's, and if it's Blackman or if it's Donovan Solano or if it's DJ LeMayhew, yeah, I'll argue with someone if LeMayhew has, you know, some time on the injured list and, and he hits 400, so he only plays in 45 games. And if Blackman does it in Coors Field, I'll still talk about what Coors Field means and everything. Uh, and I'm not going to say this is, you know, Rod Carew in 1977 or Tony Gwynn in 1994 even, but we can enjoy it. We can think it's neat. And and I think especially this year of all years, we got to find the enjoyable and the neat anywhere we can get it. I completely agree, especially in a year like this, right? I, I, don't, care if, I don't care if a team goes, you know, 27 and 30 and wins the World Series. So what? We have some baseball this year and I mean, we're not through it, but we're, I don't know a third of the way through it or so, and everything's basically okay. I mean, we've had some positive tests. Nobody's gotten seriously sick. In the moment, it's all okay, right? When a game's it's all on, okay. it's all okay. Yeah. I, and yeah. we got we got over the lack of fans really quickly. Um, when you just have the game on, or if you're following on social media along with the game, and you know, people are still having those same conversations, oh, that was strike four, you know? This is, this is fun. We could enjoy it. And we have the rest of the day to worry about the horror and hellscape that is the world in 2020. Yep, I think that is perfectly said. Well, for more respite from the hellscape of 2020, I strongly recommend that folks check out my guest, Craig Calcaterra's new subscription newsletter. It's called Cup of Coffee. You can subscribe at cupofcoffee.substack.com and you can find Craig on Twitter at Craig Calcaterra. Craig, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Keith. 
That's all for my show this week. Thanks to Craig Calcaterra for joining me. Please keep an eye out. I expect to have, as I said, two columns up this week, including another scouting notebook and another more general column that I'm working on. As of right now, it looks like those might run Wednesday, Thursday or Wednesday, Friday. It sort of depends on what else is going up on the site, but I am working on them. And by the next time we speak, I should have those two columns up. Thank you all so much for listening. Wear your masks. Stay safe. Stay safe.